let's all take our Bibles and stand tonight. Turn to Psalms chapter 61 and appreciate all the good singing and good to be in the Lord's house on Wednesday night. Amen. I'd rather be here as any other place I know. I mean that tonight and uh, <coughs> appreciate the Lord uh, helping us this week and um, just giving us safe travel and mercy home today. And we appreciate his goodness. Psalms chapter 61. And I was studying this psalm uh, yesterday. And uh, I'll be honest with you as I begin to read and uh, look through this psalm here. Let me find my place. Um, the Lord really just spoke to my heart. And I pray that God will speak to your heart tonight. And it will be a blessing to you. I've been looking forward to preaching uh, here all day and felt like God just really impressed it on her heart. Of course, we've been preaching through the Psalms, but sometimes it seems like uh, those sermons are more pressing at times than others. So Psalms chapter 61, if you'll look with us here, we'll read this passage of Scripture and then have prayer and then you can be seated. Psalm 61 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Hear, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, with my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Salah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may da daily perform my vows. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name, God, that you would give us liberty these next few moments. Thank you for the good singing tonight. As we've been reminded, Lord, we've got so much to be thankful for. Lord, you've been better to us than any generation that's alive right now. And God, help us to not forget to be thankful. Help us not to forget to rejoice. Thank you for the good testimonies, the choir singing, the special singing. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Speak to us and speak through us these next few moments. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention here in just a moment to verse number two, where David says in this psalm here, in the middle part of that verse, he said, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, it's commonly believed that David wrote Psalm 61 in a time shortly after Absalom had been uh, killed by Joab. And you know the story how that Absalom was hung in the tree and Joab came along and took his life. And, Ab and Absalom, uh, the word comes to David and David weeps because he loved Absalom. He had forgave Absalom once before and brother laddie, he would have done it again if Absalom would have come, but Joab tragically ended that. But more importantly, David knew that Absalom had crossed God's deadline and that God had taken him out of this world. That is the background of Psalms chapter 61. David's heart is broken and his heart is grieving and he is overwhelmed. I think nothing else would overwhelm a parent's heart anymore than for them to lose one of their children. Doesn't matter how young or how old they are, it's never 
never easy to give up one of your uh, family, one of your children because you never plan on burying them. You always plan on them burying you. And so David's heart is overwhelmed in this text. What does David do in this psalm here? David realizes something that we all have to realize in life, especially when our heart is overwhelmed. And that is just because we're overwhelmed, it does not mean that we have to be overcome. Amen? And though David is grieving on the outside, he knows where to go to and to find his help. He knows where his source of strength is. I want to stop and say tonight, I'm glad I know where my strength is. Amen? Uh, Just like David, uh, when my heart is overwhelmed, uh, I want to say along with a sweet psalmist here, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Amen? Uh, David knew something about this rock. You say, well now preacher, who is this rock? Well, we know who this rock is. Uh, We know that this rock is Jesus. Amen? But if you go to Psalm 62 and verse number three, or verse number two, David tells us who that rock is. He said, he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Amen? So we know that this rock that David is talking about in Psalm 61, he tells us in Psalm 62 that this rock is his God. It is Jehovah. Amen? And he says that in chapter 61 in verse number two that this rock is higher than he is. David knew that this rock was higher up than what he was, meaning that no time in David's life when he is ever down or discouraged or disappointed or defeated will he ever have to look down to find that rock. For that rock is always higher than what he is. I tell you, we go through the disappointments in life. We face the discouragements. And sad to say, we even have our defeats. But I'm glad there's somebody that's higher than us that's always ready, always willing, and always able to pick us up when we have fallen, to lift us out of the valley of discouragement and disappointment and to help us another mile of the journey, amen? And so David said this rock is higher. He he knows this rock is holier, amen? When he is cast down, David knows that this rock will lift him up, amen? No doubt David realizes that the very sin that has come into Absalom's life and the very consequences that he is feeling in his heart because of the loss of Absalom was no doubt because of his sin with Bathsheba. I'm not preaching on this tonight, but let me stop and say this. There is forgiveness for sin, but let us not forget there is consequences also, amen? You can be forgiven and I can be forgiven of my sins, but we would be foolish tonight to think that when we find forgiveness that God's just gonna remove the consequences. My friend, for whatsoever a man soweth, the Bible says of that shall he also reap, amen? Now you can find mercy, grace, and forgiveness, but you still have to face the music. Somebody say amen. Brother, I'm telling you, uh, my parents loved me and your parents loved you and they forgave me, but I still got whippings. Somebody say it, man. There were still consequences for the actions and we're living in a day when people forget that. But David is overwhelmed and David, my friend, in this psalm, he may be overwhelmed, but he doesn't want to be overcome by the situations in his life. And friend, you and I don't have to be overcome by the things that overwhelm us in life. Thank God David found out that he had a rock and that rock wasn't just any rock. It was Jehovah. It was the rock of his soul. And I want to preach on that subject a few minutes 
minutes tonight on the rock of my soul. Amen. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ is the rock of my soul. Amen. When I'm overwhelmed, I'm glad I don't have to be overcome because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Amen. And what we see in this text tonight is that we notice, first of all, in verse number one and two, I want you to see David's tears. Amen. The Bible said in verse number one, he said, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. In these two verses tonight, we see that David wants to be heard in verse number one. David, my friend, wants to be helped in verse number two. And finally, in verse number two, he wants to be hid. Amen. He wants God to hear him. He wants God to help him. And he wants God to hide him. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there have been some times in my life when I was so overwhelmed with problems, I, I cried out to God and said, God, would you hear me? Oh, God, would you help me? Would you hide me in your refuge? I'm glad we do have a hiding place in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In fact, the Bible even tells us that. In Colossians chapter number uh, three and verse number uh, two, the Bible says, uh, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And he said, set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth for you're dead. And notice this, for your life is hid with Christ in God. Amen. I'm glad we're hid in Christ. Amen. Just like David was hid in Jehovah, you and I that are saved are hid in Jesus. Amen. And when David begins to shed these tears, in verse number one and two, I see that they are earnest tears uh, as he says, hear my cry. Now the word cry can be translated or rendered a piercing cry. A, 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 it can be rendered a plaintive cry or a ringing cry, meaning that David was moaning. He was wailing. Uh, I mean, David is, is crying out for everything that is within him. This is an earnest, uh, or these are earnest tears. Uh, and may I say tonight, every one of us, uh, need to shed some earnest tears in our life, amen. Saddest thing for any child of God is when our tears, our tears ducts dry up. Brother, we're living in a day, if you wanna know why there's so many lonely faces in church, been a long time since a lot of people's wept. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Jesus wept, our Savior, who never needed or wanted for anything, wept at the tomb of Lazarus, amen. I'm telling you, friend, uh, uh, listen, you and I need to, we need to weep. I, I love to shout, but we also need to weep, isn't that right? We need some tears. Uh, and my friend, that's the earnestness of his prayer. And then I see that his prayer is not only earnest, but it's eager. He said in verse number one, he said, attend unto my prayer. In other words, God, come listen to what I have to say. I think a lot of times we pray to God and can we be honest? We pray as if we really don't care if they get answered. I'm sure we don't think that, but we don't pray in faith believing. Sometimes we pray a defeated prayer. I, I mean, I, every one of us, my, myself included, we ought to be eager in our prayer life. Well, to go to God eagerly, expecting God to do something, expecting God to listen to what we have to say. David's prayers earnest. They're earnest prayers. They're tears. They're, they're eager tears. And then they're endless tears. He said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. In other words, he said, Lord, I'm just gonna keep on shedding these tears until you do something. 
I'm not going to quit crying until you work until the end of the earth. If I've got to go all the way to the very end, Lord, I'm going to keep on weeping. You know, sometimes that's what we have to do. We have to keep on shedding tears about those things that we're earnest about. You say, preacher, I whipped about it yesterday. I prayed earnestly about it yesterday. Yes, but be endless in your prayer. Don't give up. Don't quit praying about whatever it is you're praying for or you're praying about. Believe God and trust God and keep shedding those tears. I want to say, my friend, they are encouraging tears. As he said, when my heart's overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He said, I'm a shedding tears and it looks like nothing's gonna happen. It doesn't look like God's listening, but he said, I'm gonna keep on shedding tears. I'm gonna lead me to the rock that is higher than I. In other words, he said, I'm gonna weep my way to the throne of grace. I'm gonna weep my way to God. I'm telling you, friend, that Spurgeon said tears is a language that God understands tonight, amen. And you and I need to shed tears, amen. I see David's tears, but then I see David's tower. Look what he said in verse number three. For thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. David calls Jehovah his tower. You know why he calls him that in verse number three? Because he tells him, you've been a place of shelter, for thou hast been a shelter for me. You know what a shelter is? It's a covering, amen? A shelter is something that keeps back the heat. It keeps back the rain. It keeps back the elements of the weather. Isn't that right? It keeps back those things, the snow, the ice, whatever it be. The the shelter provides a place of rest. It provides a refuge. It's a place to get under, amen? And David says, God, Jehovah, you've been my tower. You've been a place of shelter for me. You've been a place I can run to. I mean, if you're standing in the parking lot right now, and listen, doesn't look like there's a cloud in the sky, but I'm telling you, if all of a sudden the bottom was to fall out. I mean, nobody in their right mind's just gonna stand there and just take it, amen. You know what you're gonna do? You're gonna hunt a hole just as fast as you can. You're gonna look for a place uh, that you can get under and get out and find shelter. And David said, God, that's what you've been for me. You've been a place uh, that whenever the storm of life was raging, when the heat was turned up, uh, when the pressure was coming down, uh, you've been a place I could go to and get under and find shelter in the time of the storm, hallelujah. He tells it, my friend, that David, at David's tower, he said, you've been a place of shelter. And then he says in verse number three, you've been a place of strength, amen. He said, a strong tower. I think you'd agree with me tonight, David is weak in this psalm, like in many of his psalms. And I'm not saying that in a critical way because we're all weak, aren't we? Paul said when we're weak, that's when we're strong. And David says here, he said, God, you've not just been a, you've been not just a, a shelter, but you've been my strength, amen. You've been a strong tower. I tell you, if there's anything that you and I need to get a hold of when we get overwhelmed in life to keep from being overcome in life, we need to remember that we can't run in our strength and our power. We can't run in the energy of the flesh. Uh, if we try to serve God, raise a family, uh, work a job, live life, uh, be a Christian in the energy of the flesh, you know what we'll do? We'll get upside down in a hurry, amen. 
amen. But I'll tell you what, if you'll take everything you're supposed to do and everything that we're supposed to be and everything that we're not, amen, and just put it in the hands of the one that can do it all and say, God, I can't, but you can. I'm weak, but you're strong. I ain't, but you always are. I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll be our strength. He'll be our help, amen. He'll be that strong tower that'll help us in the times of storm, amen. David's tower. David says you've been a place of shelter. He says you've been a place of strength. But notice in verse number three, he says you've been a place of, of safety. He said you've been a strong tower from the enemy. You know, tonight we all have enemies in life, don't we? And the Bible's clear about our enemy, that it's not flesh and blood. Our enemy tonight is not a person. I mean, as far as flesh and blood is concerned. Our enemy tonight is the devil. As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Our enemy tonight is not a family member, it's not a friend, it's not a church member, it's not somebody that the devil tries. You know what the devil does? He hides behind people and problems. He wants you to think that your biggest enemy is such and such or so and so. That if this person would just get right, your problems would go away. If this problem would just be removed, everything would be okay. And I'm telling you, the enemy tonight is the devil. Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. He recognized there was somebody else doing the talking other than Peter. Wounds are not near as personal to us when we realize that it's not the people around us that necessarily things are happening. We take things to heart, we get hurt, but when we realize that there's an enemy that's lurking and working behind the scenes in every one of our life tonight, he has every bit as much a plan for me and you as what God does, amen? But I'm glad he's a loser tonight, amen? I'm glad, thank God, he's never won anything in life. He's never accomplished anything in life, and he can't do anything anything that what God doesn't let him, amen. I'm glad my safety and your safety tonight is not in myself, it's not in the world, but thank God it's in Jehovah, the rock of our soul. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You know, if the devil could today, he'd have killed every one of us. But God's took care of us, hadn't he? Ask yourself a question, this one question. Has God answered a prayer for you today? Sure he has. He's kept you alive. He's kept your family safe. He said, well, preacher, I didn't even ask for that today. No, but Jesus said, I pray for thee. Thank God when we're too lazy to pray, I'm glad there's somebody that still prays for us. Amen. Amen. Sometimes them prayers get answered and we might, we stagger at it and we might think, well, boy, I didn't pray for that like I should. No, but somebody did. And I'll tell you who that was. It was Jesus, amen. He's a strong tower. David's tears, David's tower. Look at David's trust in verse number four. He said, I will abide in the tabern- in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Now, David, you see his determination. He said, I will abide in thy tabernacle. He said, I will trust in, thy, in the covert of thy wings. David is determined. I, I want to tell you, if you're going to live for God, You've got to be determined, amen? I mean, there has to be some determination. I know that God will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, but God is not going to do for us what we can do for ourselves, amen? I'm telling you, friend, listen, if you're going to live for God, you can't sit around and wait for some lightning bolt experience uh, that's going to energize you the rest of your Christian life. It don't work that way. you got to get up every morning and you got to reckon yourself dead and get in the word of God and spend a little time in prayer and ask God for help and ask God for grace and then 
then at the end of the day, you've got to have some raw determination that even if you have fallen on your face, you're not going to quit. Somebody say amen. You're not going to back up. You're not going to slack up. You're not going to get slothful, but you're going to go on and determine that though you may get knocked down, you're not going to get knocked out. You're going to keep on serving God. Amen. I want to say this tonight. We're living in a day when people, they don't put a premium on, on, on putting God first in their life. And I know, again, I'm pretty, y'all tell the Sunday morning crowd what I said. Amen. I know it's Wednesday night, but I'll tell you, if there's anything I could urge tonight, stay faithful to God. I know I said that at the beginning of the service because it's on my heart. Keep coming and singing in this choir on Wednesdays. Keep saying amen to the singing, the preaching, the testifying. Is that right? Don't die on God. God's been too good to us to quit. You just got to man up or woman up and just go on. He said, but preacher, I've had a hard time. Well, I mean, who hadn't had a hard time? Somebody say amen. I mean, listen, we'll call you a wambulance and get you down here and get you some help. And, and, and you, you can't feel sorry for yourself all the time. Amen. We live in a day of anemic Christianity. It don't take much to knock people out of the saddle. They're so self-centered that they feel sorry for themselves if the least little thing goes wrong. I'm gonna tell you things go wrong in our life, but I'll be honest with you. For everything that has gone wrong in my life since I've got saved, there's a million things that sure has went right. Amen. And I'll take the good, I'll take the bad with the good because the good outweighs the bad any day. I'd rather be saved and on my way to heaven tonight. I'm just simply saying you gotta be determined determined that you're going to stay with it and serve God. Hallelujah. Got to be determined tonight. And I see his dwelling. He, he says, I will abide in thy tabernacle. That word abide, it literally means to be a house guest for the night. And what David is saying in this psalm, he said, God, if I could, he said, I'd just like to go in that tabernacle. That's that holy place. And David being a spiritual man that he was, he knew he couldn't, he couldn't literally go in the tabernacle. Only the priest could do that. And only certain times of the year could, or one time a year could he go into the holiest of holies. But David loved God so much and David knew that where his help would come from would be in the presence of God. And what that ought to do for us tonight is we can go in the presence of God anytime we want to. We've got that privilege, amen. You can go home tonight and get in the presence of God in prayer and Bible reading and we ought to. You can get up in the morning and, and get in the presence of God. Isn't that wonderful that David was wishing he could abide in that tabernacle? But I'll tell you something, when he started out, God wanted, has always wanted to dwell with man. He walked with, with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Why? Because he wanted to dwell with them. He wanted to fellowship with them. When Adam sinned in the garden and sin separated uh, God from man, you know what he did? God built a tabernacle and that cloud filled the house. Why? Because God wanted to dwell with man. And then Solomon built the temple. David wanted to, but he was a man of war. And so he couldn't, but Solomon built that temple. And the Shekinah came into that temple. Amen. You know why? Because God wanted to dwell with man. When you get to the New Testament, there's no tabernacle. There's no temple. There's no garden to walk in. But you know where God dwells now? He wants to dwell with man. So when we get born again, the Spirit of God moves inside our heart and he tabernacles inside of us and he lives inside of us. You know why? Because he wants to dwell with man. And thank God one of these days, you know what's gonna happen? We're gonna get to heaven, friend. And Revelation 22, God said, I'll be your God and you'll be 
my people and God said I'll dwell with you and you'll dwell with me there'll be no need of the sun the moon the light there'll be no need of a tabernacle hey God will accomplish in the end what he started in the beginning and that is it's going to be face to face hand to hand and heart to heart one with another with a holy God amen and David said I wish I could go in that tabernacle what about the privilege we have on a Wednesday night as brother Laddie said earlier to come into this tabernacle it's a privilege to be here ain't it preacher I'm more out in body oh I know I'm telling you I'm more out in body now anybody else tired other than me amen and I'm working right now so y'all pray for me and we all get tired sometimes. But it's good to be tired in church, isn't it? I'll be honest with you, I'd rather be in church and be tired of being sitting at the house in a recliner watching the Braves lose tonight. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? I'd rather just be right here amongst the redeemed, amongst the living, hearing some songs reminding me I'm not going to hell, reminding me of the grace and the mercy of God, reminding me that we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. I want to tell you, I wonder how he could love me, a sinner, a condemned and unclean. Oh, how marvelous, how wonderful, how precious he is tonight. Anybody that ever stood in his presence, they stood amazed, amen. And I'm telling you tonight, David, he taught talks about uh, his trust. Uh, I'm not finished this psalm tonight, but I want you to see David. He also talks about his testimony in verses five through seven. David tells us about God in these verses here. He tells us why he is praising God when his heart is overwhelmed. He says, because God has prevailed for him. He said in verse five, for O God, thou hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. God has prevailed for David. And then he tells us here that God has prolonged him. In verse 6 he said thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. God has prevailed for David. God has prolonged David and he's provided for him. Look what he said in verse number 7. He said he shall abide before God forever. Oh prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. David says God you've not just provided for me mercy and truth. But that mercy and that truth, you know what it's done for David? It's preserved him. And David's testimony in verse 5, 6, and 7 is all about one person, the rock of his soul. It's about Jehovah. You know, tonight, we ought to make sure that we magnify him. Amen. I'll tell you, when I, years ago, and like I reckon a lot of young Christians, too much of me in what I had to say and not enough of him. And the more that I serve God, the more I want to take self out. Amen. I'm not saying that God don't, you know, God, God uses things in our life. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. And sometimes we get up and testify about something God did. Brother Landon talked about giving that money. I don't think there was nothing wrong with that. Amen. Of what God did for him. But I want to tell you the the older you get, the less you want self to be in the forefront. The more you want God out there. Amen. You got to get past yourself. And David's testimony tonight is all about God. I tell you, I don't want people to see me tonight, do you? I want them to see God. And I'm going to tell you when they see God the most in our life. It's when we're overwhelmed. It's when we're overwhelmed. 
I'm going to tell you, if we throw the towel in when things come our way and we get flustered and we, we just, you know, we just lose our cool or we just lose our Christianity or, or if, even if we don't do that, if we just kind of sit down and say, well, you know what? Things ain't going my way right now. I'll just kind of take a back seat. What kind of a testimony? The world don't need a God. I can't help you when struggles come. The world sees me acting like that. If they see me whining about every trial and trouble that I go through in life, well, what's the difference between the God that I serve and the God that they serve? David said, I'm overwhelmed, but he said, I'm not overcome because God's took good care of me. And he closes that verse, verse number eight, with his thanksgiving. David begins to praise God. Look what he said. He said, I will sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. You know what I love about this song? David starts out in verse 1 crying. He ends in verse 8 singing. I'm going to tell you, that's just like God, isn't it? How many of us tonight, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us tonight, you fell on your knees and you started shedding tears, started weeping. By the time you got through, those tears had turned in from tears of sorrow tears of joy. Doesn't mean the problem's gone. It just means you've not been overcome because he's the rock of your soul tonight as we stand. I don't know where you're at or what you're going through, but as Brother Brian sings, if you need to come tonight, won't you come lay your burden?